Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And, um, Courtney, how are you? Well, I got off work eight hours ago. Good. And I'm here, so I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired, but I do have my coffee now. Um, otherwise, I am well. I'm well. I, um, had a good night at work. All of my theater people that are you know, left since all the theaters closed, came in, and so all of my Hudson theaters. You make it sound like it's like COVID all over again. It's not that all the theaters closed. It's just that there was like a really weirdly high number of Broadway productions that closed at the same time. All the theaters closed. It is like COVID. It's traumatic, and um, everyone closed, and I I miss them. But my Hudson staff is there because they're getting ready for Doll's House, and um. So they all came in. There was like, I don't know, like 25 of them that just like wandered in. But they they just, they love me. I love them. They walk in and I just like hug them every time. Oh, yeah. We're all going to go out together on a day that's not when I'm working. And um, I was like, I was like, like half of you have my contact information. Somebody can find me to meet with yeah. me like on a Friday. They're like, yes. So um, they're great. Um, but one of the... Um, girls who works at Hudson her name's Hannah and I adore her she's she's lovely um she follows the podcast she's not listening yet so if you make it here Hannah welcome thanks you're the best but uh she did follow us and I learned yesterday she also has a podcast called oh my gosh I make it sound incredibly horrifying but it's not I keep calling it something massacre and that is not the name of it chainsaw matinee Okay. And um they do they talk about um horror films. And she has asked us to guest on their podcast. Oh, okay. Fine. And I told her definitely and I asked her to guest on our podcast and I was like currently the shows we're doing right now are Bates Motel and Stargate. And she was like I haven't seen Bates. I was like great show, you should watch it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. She loves stargate so i I was like in like 30 weeks when we have our next wrap-up you should be our guest for that so although i do i do still think we need to get doug on here because we've been saying that since the first one but um (laughs) yes i i won't ruin all of her thoughts before she says them on the podcast because she's got some excellent talking points Oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, so I uh, chatted them up, and we just talked about podcasting and horror, and it was incredible, and I loved it. And then my new circle people came in, which is where I know I'll stage managing right now, and they're just lovely. I'm going to see their show today. Yay! Um, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I never do. They do, a, but they do a lot of workshops and stuff like I've talked about before, so it's plays that, like, aren't out. People don't know them, and it's called Touch. So okay. yeah, two today. I'm very excited. Um, how are you? I'm great. I'm also seeing a show today. Um, it is a little bit less um exciting than yours. Not that it's not exciting, it's just a very different vibe. Um because I am seeing what is the what is the show? Hmm, I should know before I go. You should know. Oh, it's um uh, a concert of Mozart masterpieces. Oh, I love Mozart. 
need to. Um, but um, the Philharmonic Orchestra is doing like a whole thing okay. of like Mozart, but then um, uh, the chorus is singing the Coronation Mass. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah. I love playing Mozart. It's hard, but it I love it. Um, did I ever tell you the story about the time that I was like going to meet a friend and um, I had my car radio all the way up, like bass booming, and my friend was like waiting for me in this parking lot and I pulled up and my car was like shaking and he was about to make a comment until he realized that what was rocking my car was La Noce de Figaro. <laughs> That's incredible. I You did not tell me that before, but I love it. That's something I don't find. <laughs> It's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah. I love Mozart. I don't know. Mozart's great. I did a Mozart piece for my um, college audition. From his his uh, birthday was on Friday. Oh, happy birthday, Mozart's! Yeah, that's why they gave me chocolate. I got, <laughs> I got an Austrian. So I signed up for Universal Yums. I've told you about, and yeah. this. Austrian, and they gave me a Mozart chocolate bar, and then I saw that they posted something about Mozart, yeah. and I just like didn't read it because i was not in a place to read things yeah no his birthday was friday january 27th it's mozart's birthday happy birthday mozart one of the things i do in my classroom is that um on like outside the classroom i have four big posters that are like whiteboard posters where i tell right like for each class what they need supply wise to bring to my classroom before class starts um because i don't understand how in middle school you still don't know that you need a pencil for class um, which is a totally different story. But in order to make it a little more exciting and give them like a reason to actually want to look at it and check what supplies they need, I put random like national holidays on there, like all the weird like national holidays, like National Gingerbread House Day or whatever. So in each grade gets a different one. And one of the ones I used on Friday was that it was Mozart's birthday. That. So that's how I knew it so quickly off the top of my head. It didn't even like surprise me. I, like, didn't even question the fact that you just knew Mozart's birthday. That very much sounds like you. Oh, his birthday was last week, too, but... Whose? Everyone, though. <gasps> what day was his birthday? Uh, I think it was... Him and Dolly, they share a birthday. I think it was Monday. Or was it the 20th? Monday the 23rd? It's, it was either Monday the 23rd or it's maybe it's the 19th. I don't know. It's sometime in that, like, that weekend, last weekend area. I was dead then. But yeah, you, you, were. Um, you were. That because it's, I, they, everybody always shares the um, nine to five style. Oh, right. No, I posted on my Instagram story for post birthday, but I did um, some of the Spark, like the Spark Notes Instagram account posts um, things. I don't know if you've ever, if you don't follow the Spark Notes Instagram account, or if I've never talked about this on the podcast before. They're the most amazing thing in the entire world. I'm obsessed with them. I Here, I'm looking at my story archive. Oh, it was the 19th. Yes, it was the 19th. Follow um, Because um, I shared the Spark Notes post, but it said, it said, oh, I shared two. I shared one that was, uh, it says, The Raven, Nevermore, The Narrator, and it's a picture of John Mulaney, and it says, No one knows what you're talking about, you idiot. Um, but then I also shared one from Spark Notes that said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but murdering an old man and hiding the body beneath the floorboards while the sound of his still beating heart exasperates your descent into madness is not a personality trait. Wait, which one is it? 
It's just um, at SparkNotes underscore. Why don't I see these things that you're saying to me? I shared it on my story. Oh, did they put it on their story too? No, they put it in their regular post. Oh, no. Yeah, they put it in their regular post. Here it is, here it is, I see. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, they put a bunch of ones at the yeah. same time, so you have to look at it. Uh, so I've, like, Googled a lot of random things from SparkNotes, like, comedy stuff, not SparkNotes stuff. And yeah. I have never followed them on Instagram. I don't know why. So now I am. Um, no, I... Uh... I love this. Am I attractive? No. Do I have a great personality? Also, no. Do I keep my wife locked away in a secret floor in the third room of my mysterious gothic manor? No, of course not. Why did you hear something? <laughs> I had seen that one before. I love it. Ugh. Oh. Did you watch the movie yet? The new one? The Pelbo? No. no. No, no, no. Oh, my God. Okay. No, I didn't because I the ad, when it first dropped on Netflix, the ad was the first thing that popped up. And um, Dan and I were watching the commercial and I was like, this looks amazing. But we were about to watch an episode of The Crown and we had already like psyched ourselves up for that because we have to mentally prepare ourselves to watch The Crown because it's literally 55 minute episodes. And no, I lied. It's an hour and five minute episodes and they're always like super heavy. So once we like knew we were watching The Crown, we like, that's that was we what were. Right. And um, I never. Then we never. I never had a chance to go back. I haven't had time to watch it with him. So, well, I want you to watch it and tell me how it is. And one day I'll watch it too. Yes, because the things that I know from just the trailer that I saw. One, um, it looked fascinating. Yeah, but but two, Dudley Dursey's "A Girl in Poe Baltimore" accent made me wet. Like, it was just because it was so perfect. It was so exactly correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, because, I because, because I've seen other things that have, like, tried to do Poe and tried to do, like, a Southern accent or, like, made him have, like, a Middle American accent. And, like, like the, the Raven movie with John Cusack. I didn't watch that. Fantastic movie. Obviously fiction. Did not do Poe's speaking like his mannerisms and his speaking well this one within 30 seconds i was 100 percent sold that this kid could be poe it was so perfect so yes it's on my list of things that i need to watch asap great um right. i will just, wait for your recommendation we just spiraled a little bit so i never actually talked about my week which is fine because my week was Ooh. awful and i sprained my hip Yes. You guys all know that um, three weeks ago I sprained my tailbone. Um, I also sprained my hip. And what I actually think happened was I think it I dislocated it and then I sprained it trying to put it back into place myself. Yeah. And um, while it sounds like it, if you're just listening and not watching, MK is not 95. <laughs> she is indeed a normal adult 30. age. I am a 30-year-old woman who is fairly healthy and does have a gym membership and dances, and yet somehow I have managed to, uh, like, have a bum knee, a sprained hip, and a sprained tailbone within the same four-week period. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I, asked, I asked Dan the other day, I was like, did you realize that you were signing up to date in a hundred year old woman? He was like, no, but I'm okay with that. And I was like, good for him and his caretaker spirit. I know it's, it's wonderful. I don't know what I do. 
I brought him to urgent care with me. And when I had to go in to get the x-ray, which was the only part that like he couldn't come with me, obviously, because it's an x-ray machine. The x-ray tech was talking to me. She was like, is that your husband out there with you? And I was like, I wasn't about to explain all of that because also I don't think technically he was allowed to be in the medical room with me if he wasn't. So I just said, yes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, she was, he is so supportive that it, you are so lucky. That's so great. And I was like, so I told him about it and he was like, you just ate that shit up, didn't you? Yes. 100%. 100%. You know what else I eat up? Yes. Yes, I do. Spiritual affirmations. You know, I pulled this yesterday, which is great. We're recording the day after we recorded last time. Yeah, well, also, in the last Stargate episode, I told you guys we were recording four episodes at once. We fully ran out of time, so that did not Sure had to go to work yesterday, so... uh, this is a new day, but still the same weekend. Right. Anyway, this is what I need to tell myself daily. Yeah. If not hourly. Oh, um, okay. I refuse to overcommit myself. I'm able to say no when I need to. I protect my time because I deserve it and it's invaluable. Probably hourly. Say less. <clears throat> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Um, Thursday, when I had to go to urgent care, I felt guilty about the fact that I had to cancel my uh, middle school musical rehearsal and miss the middle school boys basketball game. And then I still went out to the other thing that I had planned for that day because I had literally booked myself for every waking moment of the day. Me calling out of work because I had pink eye. And I was like, I feel so bad. They need me. And I was like, also, I might kill them all. So I should probably just stay home. My, my, I'm going to LA next month with my dad. And he told me we were going to be gone Thursday through Monday. So I put in a sub request for Thursday and Friday. We didn't have school the Monday anyway. So it was fine. But I put in a sub request for Thursday and Friday. I get the receipt for the airline ticket. And I'm not leaving till 730 at night on Thursday. You could have worked on Thursday. Tell me why. I literally went back and forth 15 times about whether I was going to change my request. I haven't yet. I do need a new sub, though, because Doug got a job. Right. That's unfortunate. Did I, I, mean, did I, did I tell you guys that? I didn't on the podcast. I told you, but yeah, Doug got a, Doug got a full-time teaching job. Yay. Um, but so, um, so Doug can't sub for me because he has an actual real big boy job. Um. But so I still need to get a new sub, so I might end up canceling the Thursday request. But then I also was like, I have 19 paid days off. I why do I feel bad about missing work? You shouldn't. You shouldn't. I wish I had 19 paid days off. <laughs> the problem with being a teacher is that even though you have paid time off. You have to do work to take work off. I mean, theoretically, that shouldn't be the way in my job. But it is. <laughs> well, it is. so there's there's this competition um, that Disney is hosting right now that I found online that is like a, a competition for like teachers who inspire imagination in their classroom. 
And like, so you submit an essay about like things that you do to inspire imagination in your classroom. And they're going to pick a hundred winners and send them to a conference in Disneyland um, in May. And I looked at the comments on this post and all of it was like, clearly a teacher did not design this. Who would take teachers out of school in May? That's teacher appreciation week. That's my finals week. Like they were like, why would a teacher want to write an essay? You should have the kids nominate the teacher. Like it was like nothing but complaining about why that was the dumbest format. And I was like, so what you're saying is none of you are writing this essay and I have higher percentage chance of getting it. Great. Yes. 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 Do that. Are you going to do it? Yeah. Okay, good. When's it due? It's due the 11th of February. So I have two weeks to write the essay. I will follow up with you. I will ensure this happens. I mean, if I don't get it, I don't get it. But like, no, you have to apply still. Exactly. Apply. Um, So yeah, that's. But yeah, but I just laughed that everyone was like, I'm going to have to write sub plans to go to this. Like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, no, my work um, waits for me to get back. I went, like, literally when I went home for vacation or for holidays, and then this past week, um, all my A&R clients, like, I just, oh, when I was sick on Thursday, I just texted Brian, my assistant, and I was like, I was like, can you just, I was like, everyone's going to email me back today because I've emailed them this week. I was like, can you just respond and tell them I'll talk to them on Monday or Tuesday? (laughs) I was like, that's all I need you to do. I was like, just let them know that I did receive their information and I will talk to them again in life. Yes. <laughs> so I had like a ton of emails that said, Courtney's out until Monday. Courtney's out until Monday. <laughs> yes. Um, so other things that don't stop. Stargate. That's G1. It never it stops. Stop. Never stops. Um, but we also have jumped to a new season. So we're in slightly different um time frame which was fun when I went to go do the um the notes because I was like oh that's right we jumped ahead not the same not the same books and movies and everything but to be fair apparently the ni- the 90s was a weird time because um we didn't jump ahead to September of 1999 which is when tv seasons start right mm-hmm. um I don't I don't understand I didn't look further into this because I was baffled and my dad was like, that couldn't be true. And I was like, no, it, it is. It's true. And he was like, well, maybe because it was not on like regular network TV. Because we're talking about Stargate SG-1, season three, episode one, brand new season. Call it, the episode is titled Into the Fire. And it premiered on June 25th, 1999. I got that summer release. So weird. It's weird, but I'm not as surprised by that. They had weird summer releases because especially they, then, like there was no streaming. And so they were like, oh, people are like out of school. Kids are out of school. Parents are, you know, home with kids. Like they're doing stuff. It's not your typical. Everyone yeah. has to, go to work and pl- pick what the one thing they're going to do because people are more available. Right. So, but, you know, I just, my brain was like, it was on a regular, like, TV schedule where it was, like, August to December, take a month off, like, right, no, apparently that's not how things worked in 1999. Look, Um, just go ahead, blanket statement, assume nothing worked in 1999 the way it has ever worked before. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, 
And um, this episode was rated 7.9 stars, so we're not starting super high for the season. Um, I I don't necessarily know that I agree with that it being as low. I will say there were some really great moments, but as a whole episode, I do kind of think it was meh. I think that's fair, but I think I think a lot of my rating thought came into the fact that like this was the second half of the last episode we talked about which was not good (laughs) i mean it was you know it was what it was we you know we've talked about it but uh leaps and bounds this episode i was like this is what a second half of an episode should be like if only like matt for sure no and i would agree with that i think um i will say that this season um we're kind of sitting um not like i won't do every episode right but we're kind of sitting between seven and nine for everything there's nothing there's nothing that's really super high nothing goes above i think 8.7 maybe and the lowest we get is like 6.9 it's a pretty solidly sent ish like season there's nothing like people are like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly people are just like yeah okay good enough (laughs) that's good i know we talked about how everyone was like after season two nothing else matters anymore except except, but uh, so i'm glad it's like still at least right it's not like it's not like they were like after season two everything drops from eights to threes right right which, based on people's comments, was kind of what I expected to happen. <laughs> so. Right. Um, the number one movie that week. I'm so sorry. Sadie is climbing into a box right now. I can't hear it. So as long as oh, not- I thought that's why you were laughing. No, I'm laughing because um, when I started to do the research for what our number one book, movie, and song, where I started crying laughing because I realized that um, this is about when I start to remember things in my life. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, cause I'm, this is the yeah. summer that I was seven. Like, right. this is when you start to have like core memories. Um, the number one movie was Tarzan. Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> right. Um, the number one song was If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez. Oh, love J-Lo right love and then, j-lo music yeah it's 90s j-lo not um, kind of. and then i mean to be fair some of the j-lo pitbull stuff i love but that's just because but that's pitbull that's not right j-lo so right. um and um the number one book was harry potter and the chamber of secrets yes it was, uh, <laughs> I, was I was like wow it's a book i read Yes, I have. It's all things I know of. All things yeah. I know of. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, wow, this must be when I start having memories. Um, one of the girls who works at um, the hotel bar a couple blocks over from me, um, she's Irish, and she just read the Harry Potter books for the first time. And she came in Thursday, and she was like, oh, my God, did I tell you I finished these books? And I was like, no, because she finished them like a week before. And um, she was like, I don't know what to do with myself now. She was like, this was so good. I was like, I know. I know. I was like, you just gotta... I I distinctly remember. I distinctly remember 
being in high school and the seventh book coming out and I went to the Barnes and Noble midnight release party. And then I like, it was summertime and I was sitting in my front yard and I finished the book the, the day it, I had gotten it. And then I just sat there because we all knew when the seventh book came out that it was at the end. Yeah. And so I just sat there and I was like, what do I, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I remember I went to three or four, of the book releases with my I went, aunt i went to four five six seven so i went to four of them yeah yep i think those are the ones i went to um but my aunt is super into harry potter also and so i would midnight release i would always go stay with her we dressed up and i didn't order anything do you hear my bell i did not hear your bell um i would like to formally propose everyone buy this microphone because there's a lot of noise happening in my apartment and, and i i'm hearing none of it um i mean my dog the literally my like bell for my door just went off and you didn't hear it no which i used to it used to be so loud on your old mic it used to be so loud that i would be like right. what is going on this mic was 40 bucks um i wanted and i did it's not the one i wanted to get i wanted to get the blue not the Yeti blue one, but the other one, Snowball. Or oh, okay. Something That's like the that, one yeah. I wanted to get, um, but they were out of it because mm -hmm. I was the Best Buy. And I got this one because I was like, okay, it looks like the most comfortable. Nice. Top notch. Great. Okay. I have no, sorry. What were we talking about? Harry Potter. We were talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so you dressed up. You did all the midnight premieres. It was lovely. Why is my bell still going on? Oh, that time I heard it. Um, Where's my phone? I don't know. Did they? Are they bringing you the coffee that they didn't bring you yesterday? I would let them know. That's what it was. But I doubt it. Let's see. Sad. I don't think I ordered anything. While you're um, sorry, you're figuring. No, it's okay. While you're figuring that out, I'm gonna just tell you about the things that happened on that day. Please do. Um, apparently, I was looking, and um, you know how June is wedding season. Um. Rupert Murdoch got married that day to his third wife. Um, I know nothing about that. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme also got married that day to his second wife, but I believe she's the one he's still married to. So, like... Oh, good for him. Yeah. Um, also, that was the day that Robert Trump, a.k.a. Donald Trump's father, died. Um, you know. Yeah. We have some really angry songs about him because he was uh are you, are you kidding me who is this no you're gonna have to cut this out because i'm gonna cause a ruckus so donald trump's dad yeah was woody guthrie's landlord oh okay yeah so three has like three or four songs about his landlord and he was apparently not a great guy well that a yeah that isn't surprising and b the idea of a struggling artist having a vendetta against their landlord because of the rules of capitalism and artists always having issues like that's the whole plot of rent yeah well i think this is also after he like became a person mm. because it was when his whole family had moved here because okay. he before his family while he was right. still 
struggling artist. See, I I also realized that like as a teenager, I was like, yeah, when I listened to Rent and I was like, art. And as an adult, I'm like, you guys lived in a fucking apartment for a year and didn't pay rent and had the nerve to be mad that somebody wanted you to pay your rent. Like, whoo, it is a very different experience very different listening world. to it as an adult with bills. Yes, correct. Um, I feel so that. that's why I'm like, hmm, Woody Guthrie having issues with his landlord being a terrible guy. Sure. Donald Trump's father being a shitty landlord. Sure. Like those things can both be true. Yeah. yeah. No, it was a, but it was, actually, <laughs> I think, Beacon Hill or Brighton Beach, one of the bees of Brooklyn. Mm, and okay. He had already moved there and like they had like a house and like a family. It was like, like his family had moved up. So like they were fine by that point, money wise. Mm. I think it was not money related. Okay. Fair enough. Well, then fair enough. Yeah. Cause he lived in Midtown whenever he was struggling. He lived in what is now the Steinway Piano Company, which is right behind the bar I work at. Um, it used to be at a hotel. And that's where he wrote This Land is Your Land. Awesome. Cool. Um, this episode was directed by Martin Wood and written by Brad Wright. Solid. Um, and the guest star that we're going to talk about um, is... Uh, I literally had to Google and remember who they played because most of the guest stars in this episode we've already talked about. Um, but Colin Cunningham, who played Major Paul Davis, and the reason he was not super important in this episode, but he is a recurring character, so that's why he was higher than like the the Chokra girl who we didn't actually yeah. talk about yet. Um, but he is known for the show Falling Skies. Is like his biggest thing. Um, he was in a show called Blood Drive. He was in Preacher. Um, I did not see anything on his list that I have actually seen. Um, some fun facts about him, though. He is, in fact, a professional saxophone player. Good for him. And he originally auditioned for the role of Daniel Jackson. Aww. Sweet baby angel, that was not a role for you. No. Um, but, but yeah. So uh now that this is the longest episode we've ever done. Yeah, you're definitely gonna have to like cut this down, sorry. It's no, it's fine. I mean we're gonna have to cut things out, but like fuck it. Um we start with like the most aggressive enter entrance of Colonel Makepeace running through the entirety of the SGC until he finds Hammond um, to tell them that the Tok'ra have an inside person who informed them that SG-1 has Hathor. Yeah. And um, General Hammond is like, great, get all available teams ready we're gonna go on a rescue mission and major paul davis um, is like what the fuck yeah he's like you can't just send the entire resource he was like he was like you're really gonna use all of the resources of this entire base and he was like i fucking wish we were but most of the teams are already off world i'm sending five guys like i don't know what you want from me right um major i literally wrote major somebody is mad about it because at that point i hadn't figured out what his name was okay i put up make peace and then i went wait make peace is actually helping this time <laughs> yes make peace you know make peace is like a good guy he's just kind of like a brutish dick yeah um, we've had our differences it's fine yeah 
Um, so then we go back to our regular team. There might have been, this might have been where the credits were. I didn't write a note about that. I don't know. There was also a hole previously on that told us what the first half of the episode was. But I thought it was probably good because <laughs> it yeah. did a lot. Right. Well, and also, like, if I had watched this in February and then in June, I'd be like, oh, shit, that's right. Because even when I went to take notes, I opened it and I go, oh, yeah, right. This is a part two. Cool. And that was a month and ago. I, right. Yeah. So, um, Hathor is once again asking SG1 um, which one of them is going to become the new host for the symbiote. And she is like rubbing this little CGI snake worm thing, which to be fair is still gross looking. But the CGI oh. one, so much better than the weird like clay I don't one. I need to vomit every time I see the gold now. Yeah. Um, and apparently it chooses Jack. She's like, oh, it's chosen. And as she's like handing, like, and like Jack like takes it out of her hand for some reason. Like he's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what he thinks he's gonna do with it, but he takes the gold from her, and then one of the other people there, like one of the other gold, shoots Jack and was like, he was going to hurt the gold, and the little snake just like slithers away, and Hathor was like. Okay, cool, but now you heard it. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. And as Jack is, like, being unconscious and the gold is slithering away, um, on, the other teams have started to arrive on the planet to get SG-1. So there's, like, a little bit of the, like, race against time who's going to succeed first thing happening there. Um, and... Then we flash to Teal'c, and he's home, and he goes to his family's home, and everything is fucking destroyed. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but Braytock is still there. He's just trapped under a bookshelf. I was like, Braytock is back. I didn't dying. know how it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I yeah. love Me too. Um. Um, and he tells Teal'c that when Apophis died, um, he thought that they could finally, like, celebrate, and he was so happy, but then Chlorel returned to take his inheritance. So, like, Chlorel is now running um, Chulak, which is cool, awful. <laughs> um, and then back on whatever fucking planet we're on that we never learned a name for, Hathor tells Jack that once he's the host, he's going to kill Sam and Daniel. Yeah, she's, like, brutal. She's like, this is, I'm sick of you guys. Fucking sick of you. Oh, earlier when she was trying to pick the gold and she was rubbing it in their face, she, like, got, like, all up in Daniel's face and she's like, do you remember the exciting time we had? And he's, like, trying hard not to think about it. I tried really hard not to do that. <laughs> um, so the gold enters Jack. At the exact same time as the SG teams, like, break the base. And you're like, no! One second sooner. Literally wrote, like, three seconds late SG teams. Yeah. But then, as everyone else goes to, like, deal with the SG teams, they, like, leave Jack to have this melding process. But it turns out the chick who's been part of this whole scam team 
that's like brainwashing them in the first place is actually the Tok'ra operative. And when she um, sticks Jack back in the cryo container and is like the cryo, the cryogenic process will kill the Gawold. You just have to fight it until it's dead and don't let it get into your mind at all. And um, then just like shuts him up. She's like, Good luck. Goodbye. That's all I can do. Which, to be fair, more than most. Right. Um, uh, Colonel Makepeace frees Sam and Daniel. Um, and while that is happening, um, Hathor finds the Tok'ra saving Jack and attacks her. Rude. I know. I feel like my notes are, like, really scattered, but this was one of those episodes that was, like, super action-y, and I don't like yeah. I don't write notes about action sequences. Right. Because, like, like, say, like... So-and-so shoots so-and-so, and so-and-so right. shoots so-and-so. Like, I have notes about the outcome of the action, and, mm-hmm. like, if something important happens, like, somebody yeah. gets hurt. I won't mention that, but... um, So, then Makepeace is getting ready to go, and he's, like, telling SG-3 to get everything ready, but he loses radio contact with SG-3, and they're starting to freak out. And then Sam and Danny are like, what about Jack? And he's like, he was what? taken by, he's like, what about Jack? He's taken by the Gawold. We have to count him as a casualty. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? Which, emotionally devastating, logically the correct answer. Like, if he's already... <laughs> They were sent there to, uh, like, rescue them. Yes, they were sent there to rescue them, but at this point, he's already been compromised. Like, they they watched the Gawold enter his system. Like, at, if it, as, of, as far as they know, there is no cure for that, and that means that he's no longer Jack of SG-1. Well, I would just let you know, if you got taken over by Gawold, I would not leave you. I would come and get you. Well, that's fine because you know you can put me in a cryogenic tank and kill the Gawold, but like. I do. I will find a tank um, in the world at a spa and put you in that. Um, Colonel McPeace did not know this cryogenic save, so. Um, uh, Then we go back to Chulak, where Tiung is not being very warmly welcomed. People are, like, kind of pissed that he's back. Um, and he, like, knocks these two Jaffa out and, like, screams in this girl's face. And he is, like, tell every man in this town to be at my house in the morning and to listen to me. And he's either going to, like, rally a Jaffa army or fucking kill everybody. (laughs) Fair. I feel that way, too, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so then the SG teams are all heading back to the gate to leave Sans Jack, but there's this weird, intense energy force field that has been placed around the gate and they can't get it. We have a large battle sequence. Um, and force field we had with Apophis that one time. Yeah. Yeah, but it's but it seems to be more intense. Like Sam's like, this is not like anything we've done. There's way more electricity in this force field than anything we've used before. And they figure, of course, they of course they figure out that the generator can't be coming from one of those people because it's too big and too yeah. strong. Um, but 
Um, as this battle is happening, um, uh, Hathor sends a little video globe message to Trotsky and says that she wants him to take as many of the SG members alive as possible because she wants to um, turn them all into hosts and make herself an army that is like already skilled warriors. Mm-hmm. Which obviously not pro that choice but it might be the most intelligent thing a system lord's done so far because all these system lords are just trying to kill all these people and i'm like you have like the most able-bodied warriors you're ever gonna get right here right right no a hundred percent the smartest move to make hate Um, it hope it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) but um the energy field is too strong and big um they don't know what to do but um, SG3 hasn't checked in, so Hammond, like, calls them to check in. And um, because of the, like, weird energy, there's, like, the radio message is, like, magnified. Yeah. And so they are able to communicate with him until Trotsky figures out that it's the um, probe that is, like, able to send this message and shoots it. So they lose all transmission signal. Right. And um, Hammond is ready to send in more reinforcements so that they have somebody on the inside of the energy field. And Major Davis is like the president and the joint chiefs have expressly forbidden that you may absolutely not send anyone else to that planet. Rude. Rude. Um, Sam and Daniel decided to lead the team back to the city to try and find the power source. And they do it by going through the Tok'ra tunnels, which... Oh, they were already in the tunnels. That's how they f- figured out that it was too big to, like, get under. Um, I don't know how they knew that there were... T- oh, they knew that there were Tok'ra tunners- tunnels because Makepeace knew that there was a Tok'ra spy. Right. That, I was like, how did they even know to get down there? But that yeah. does... that does, There is actually an answer for that. Right. Yes. Um, so they go back. They're heading back toward the city. Um, back on Chulak, Grey Talk and Teal talk to the men and women. They tell them that... The Gawold are nothing without them. Like, they need their bodies for their physical, like, well-being. And that if they were to, as an entire, like, society, rebel against them, they would win. And, like, most people don't listen. Right. A small handful of them decide to stay. And as... Teal'c is, like, shaking hands with the small handful of them who decided to say he shakes hands with one who is hooded, who then removes his hood, and surprise! It's Hammond. I knew he was gonna go. And um, he was like, well, not a lot of people, but it's a start, and we need your help. Yep. Ugh. Uh, Good for Hammond. Oh, I know. Um, Sam finds the Tok'ra, and she explains what she did and how she helped and um, frees Jack. Um, but as she is able to free Jack, um, Hathor attacks her. Mm-hmm. Um, SG3 is also being attacked by other people. It's just like lots of fighting. Um, and then in order to save Sam, Jack like bear hugs Hathor and pushes her into the cryopit and I was like, damn. Yep, yep. 
Um, and then Sam and Jack have a moment um, where they're just like, I mean, and to be fair, the moment was manufactured by the fact that Jack was fucking freezing from the crown of it. And right. she was just warming him up, but they like are like hugging so she can warm him up and they have like a really like long conversation and they're just talking about the logistics of what's going on. But like it's a moment because they're like having this whole conversation while holding on to each other for dear life. And I was like yes. Um and uh the Tokra tells them that the switch is to turn off the energy field is in the base. Um then we go back to Chulak, where Hammond, Teal'c, and Braytok are, like, wandering around in the woods looking for something important that was apparently hidden since, like, has been hidden for as long, like, and Braytok's like, it's been hidden for so long, it was hidden when I was the first prime of Apophis. And Hammond was like, how long ago was that? And he was like, like, a hundred years. <laughs> like, eight million years ago. Um, and Sam and Jack do get the generators turned off and they head back out to the gate but Trotsky has like all of the SG members like lined up like execution style on the ground in front of the Stargate and they're trying like including Daniel and they're like trying to decide what to do and then Jack's like wait a second (laughs) they think I'm gold now right and she was like yeah he goes cool so he just like walks over to fucking gold happening and then he's like jaffa pre and uh then the guy responds to him in like uh go- like the gold language and um he's like i said cree <laughs> yeah, like, there's just a look on daniel's face where he's like oh my fuck. yeah the same look on my face at the time right right because jack doesn't know this is happening at all Bless um him. And then he's like, oh, blah, 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 like, um, by the way, I killed Thor, and they're uh, like, you can't do that, she's a queen, she's a goddess, he's like, well, she's an ex-goddess now, she's (laughs) real dead. Um, And then as he's, like, trying to, like, convince them, the gate activates, and they're like, oh, what the fuck, and then a spaceship just flies through the gate and starts shooting everybody. And then Braytok runs in on foot and he's killing everybody and there's like this whole big like spaceship battle and um, turns out it's Teal'c and Hammond in the spaceship. <laughs> They're an insane team. And um, then we have one of my favorite moments of Stargate ever where they finally kill the last like guard stand and Hammond just shouts like yeehaw and the look on Teal's <laughs> It's amazing. Awesome. Um at this time. I was like, yeah. I can't. I yeah. lost it. Like it was so funny. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um but then basically they land the ship, Teal and Hammond to get out. There's a big um group moment between the four members of SG-1 and Braytok and Hammond and then they all head home together and that is the end of the episode. Precious. Um, So yeah, it was a lot of... uh, It was easy to go through like the plot of the episode because it was like a very battle-heavy episode. 
So yeah. um, there wasn't a lot of like um, detail to go through. Um, I This was the first time that as I was watching the episode, I was like, shit, I have to think of a second um, MVP because I have no question of who Courtney's picking. Like, <laughs> not at all. Zero. Um, but hmm. who, Courtney? You want to punch in the face? Major Paul Davis. No question. That's, I understand I mean, bad people, but like, but he was not it for me. I mean, to be fair, last week in Bates, I picked the worst person. I picked the worst person. Um, I would like to punch. Um, there's so many options. There's so many options. Um, but I think I'm gonna go go with me here. It's a weird direction. Um, no. I'm gonna go with Jack. Not like in a I want to punch him like I'm angry at him way, like uh the way you want to punch your little brother sometimes mm-hmm. when he does stupid shit. Because walking unweaponed out into the middle of the field when he fully knows he can't speak a goddamn word of Gawold and just going with it, like the anxiety as of someone who cares about him in that moment, I would need to punch him just to be like, what? They got it worked out, but dude. Right. 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 Like it came out okay in the end, but I well, what what well, what were you thinking? Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Fair. Yeah, so it's more like the Molly Weasley in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets when Ron stole the car energy than like um an actual anger punch, but like that's totally fair. Totally fair. Um and um I don't even need to ask, really, but uh, who are your MVP? I mean, Hammond. Obviously. No question. No question. When he first undid his hood, I go, fuck, Courtney's going to pick him because he traveled <laughs> off world again. That was um, the moment. That was the but moment. Then, but then when he said yeehaw, I was like, nope, I definitely need another choice. <laughs> 100%. Um, I. I pick Braytalk. Oh, love Braytalk. Because I love Braytalk. I love Braytalk. I think I would pick. I think Tony Amendola could just like walk down the street and wave to a small child, and I'd be like, well, he won everything. Yeah. I mean, totally fair. Master Braytalk, Hammond from Texas. Yes. And I, I love re- that he touches his head when he does it because, yeah. like, he's like, oh, Hammond of Texas, you have no hair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, none of the Jaffa have hair, so it's not like it's weird. <laughs> but it's just so funny. Um, yeah, they're a mess. Um, I do have some trivia. Love figure out where I put it. Um, it's not. It's not an exciting amount of no. trivia. Um, there's only a couple things, and one of them is like. This is one of the few episodes where Hammond travels off world. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for that. Um, um, 
The other one is that we learned that Master Brayatek is 135 years old, mm -hmm. which we knew he was more than 100, but like this was a, the definitive we got a number. Um, and then while searching in the world for the needle threader death glider, Braytok uses a slightly curved like machete to get through the leaves. And that is an exact copy of the ancient Greek um, Kalpis sword, um, which is what horse cavalry used to fight 2,500 hmm. years ago. Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, weird that like Egyptian based cultures are using Greek fighting weapons, but like. Like it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, so um, that is the beginning of season three. And like I said, um, plot-wise, it was not the most exciting. It had great moments. It had good stuff. Um, I think we're kind of in a very um, action-y section of the show. I get it. I um, love it. Uh, yeah, but... Um, we are we are on season three. We're doing it. Um, we're doing it. I thought it was a good start, season three. I do too. I think it was a pretty solid start. I think um, so far in all three seasons, we've had a pretty solid start. Like I don't think any season has started weekly. I think some of them have ended weekly. I think middles have been weak for sure. For sure. Um, but I don't think any one of them like started weak. But. Um, we also know going into this that remember we found out during season that during season one they got approved for all the way up to the end of season four. Right. So we also know that probably some of our big, big questions are not gonna big be questions are not gonna be answered. Um, which is upsetting to say the least, but like just it feels obnoxious because having a long-running TV show, which is one of the things Bates does really well, even though it was like five seasons, not like a thousand, but yeah. it answers the questions and just creates new ones before it gets to the end. And it's like great. Well, so the problem, the thing is, this does create new questions. It just never answers the old ones. It has to answer the old ones too. Yeah. So we will see. We will see. Um, hopefully, at least some of our um, unanswered questions will be answered. Um, hopefully, we'll see some more of our um, alien friends. But not <gasps> as Share. Um, but, like, Hathor is dead. Mm -hmm. For real this time, probably. Uh, probably. Probably because we don't actually know what happened, but we do know that the guy will die in the cryogenic liquid. So like pretty yeah. high chance that she didn't make it. We do know that at least as far as everyone knows, because we always have the question of whether um, Sokar was going to sarcophagus Apophis, mm -hmm. but at least up to this point and in the general knowledge of the universe, it hasn't. He, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. So Apophis and Hathor, Gone. So, Heruer, Chloral, Sokar, still roaming the galaxy. 
I think those are the only system wards we have at this point. Because Ra is... Well, Ra is for sure dead. Yeah. So, you know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, if you know anything about um, Egyptian gods, you know there's quite a few more that could be... Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, So... We'll see. Um, But yeah. I, I do kind of like that they have the ability to use the Egyptian gods so that it's not like there's like one and then we kill them and then the Gawold, which is clearly like a fascinating villain, is gone. Yeah. Because rather than having like to come up with a new alien every season, they just have this one that like we still do not fully understand. Right. So. I agree. I do like that a lot. Yeah. Well. We shall see who is the new big bad, I guess, because with Apophis and Hathor out of it, and we don't have a lot of information about the other three that we have out there, it'll be interesting to see who is, like, the overall big bad. I bet it's Clarell. That's my guess. I think we do need to. I know we should have addressed it a season ago, but that's fine. But I think that at this point, with it having been three seasons, we do need to address the Chloral Share situation and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or else it's just too much. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I don't think anybody can be invested in it anymore. I'm not invested anymore. <laughs> I think if they do, I know. I think if they do some interesting things when they bring it back and they do like a couple episodes in a row on it, it might. And then end it? Yeah. I think that'd be. Yeah. Fun, but definitely. But we'll definitely. see. We'll see. All right. Well, now that we've done our longest Stargate episode in the history of ever, um, we will. Uh, you can tell us how you feel about it at any of the social media at Death and Aliens or email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can follow me everywhere at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And you can follow me at C-E-Cloud 13. And we will be back on Thursday for another intense episode of Bates Motel for Thriller Thursday podcast. Yay! Bye!